Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Tonight, the growing emergency in Texas and the race to restore power to millions as another major winter storm brings ice and heavy snow to the south. Another freezing night without power in the Lone Star State. Pipes bursting, flooding and damaging homes. The long lines and empty shelves tonight at grocery stores. So why wasn't the electric grid prepared for the frigid cold? Plus, hundreds of emergency calls about carbon monoxide poisoning as hospitals see an increase in cases of hypothermia. One Texas official calling it a disaster within a disaster. More winter weather. 100 million Americans face a new round of snow and crippling ice. Widespread delays. The winter storms halt deliveries of COVID vaccines. President Biden recommits to opening schools by the end of April. But will vaccinating teachers be required to get kids back in the classroom? The confusion tonight. Fake mask raids. More than 11 million counterfeit N95 masks meant for medical facilities seized by federal agents. How to tell if your mask is real or fake. Remembering Rush Limbaugh, the most listened to radio host, a deeply polarizing figure, and the leading voice in conservative media for a generation, dies at 70. Actress rescued. The grueling 55-hour journey after breaking her leg in the rainforest, who Ashley Judd credits for saving her life. And unifying America, a group of Americans from both sides of the political divide come together in the spirit of unity. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. 
Good evening and thank you for joining us. We're going to begin with breaking news. The deadly winter weather emergency unfolding across Texas and much of the South is becoming even more dangerous tonight, with millions of Americans heading into another night of brutal cold without heat, power or clean water. Imagine that. So many pipes have now burst that the governor is asking for help from out-of-state plumbers. As many counties warn their water could be contaminated and it needs to be boiled. At the same time tonight, frustration is boiling over more for more than two and a half million Texans still don't have electricity. And with the state's energy grid buckling under the demand, it could be days before power is restored. At least 24 people have been killed so far by this deep freeze. And while the storm system that caused all this devastation is moving out, another one is moving in. Tonight, one third of all Americans are in the path of another storm that's now sweeping toward the East Coast. It could leave parts of the South frozen under an inch thick sheet of ice and the northeast under half a foot of snow. CBS's Lonnie Quinn is tracking the forecast for us. Our team is standing by with some new reporting for you and your family. CBS's Janet Shamlian is going to lead off our coverage tonight from hard hit Houston. Good evening, Janet. Nora, good evening. This is a life-threatening humanitarian crisis and it is growing by the hour. Families all over this state doing whatever they can to stay warm and sometimes making deadly choices. The snow here is gone now, but the bitter cold remains. Tonight, a crisis in Texas. Millions in the dark with no heat for a third day. Lines of misery for food and gas. And now, millions without running water. Frozen pipes bursting, flooding homes. And this winter apocalypse, icicles inside a Dallas apartment building. It's been a little crazy. I mean, I think we did our best to prepare. Stephen and Laura Dandridge have been living in the dark for most of the past three days with their year-old son, Bobby. No power to their fridge, but it's so cold, they're storing food in the garage. When the sun goes down, you know, it's, it's, you can't keep open flames going. you got to turn the stove off. Almost 3 million Texans are still without power. A boil water order for all of Houston and dozens of other cities. But in hard-hit areas, there is no water to boil. The taps are dry. More than half of the state's 254 counties experiencing water problems. Harris County Judge Lena Hidalgo compares it to 2017's Hurricane Harvey. This is very different from Harvey, but the scope of the impact is absolutely equivalent. And it's something that is impacting not just the millions of people here in Harris County, but all throughout Texas. Desperate to stay warm, hundreds have been taken to hospitals with carbon monoxide poisoning, burning a grill inside, or keeping a car running in a garage. Three children and their grandmother died in this fire. Authorities say they'd been using a fireplace overnight. In the search for food, lines to get groceries, empty shelves, and a run on gas. Tonight, questions about whether ERCOT, the utility overseeing the Texas grid, was ready. I'm sure as we review this, you know, when it's over, uh, we're going to find things we wish we'd done better. Uh, Right now, the number one priority is getting people's power back on, getting that service restored. But that isn't happening quickly, and local officials are warning outages could last through the weekend. The governor calling for an investigation of ERCOT and resignations. There was never a contingency plan for the entire state being under a winter storm warning all at the same time. And tonight, the agriculture commissioner here is warning about food supply chain problems like the state has never seen before. Ranchers and farmers have already lost millions of dollars in products. Nora? Scary for so many families there, Janet Shamley, and thank you. And all that snow and ice is headed east. CBS's Lonnie Quinn is tracking the storm. Hey there, Lonnie. 
Well, good evening to you, Nora, and good evening, everyone. I believe that ice is the most treacherous thing that Mother Nature can put down. And right now, if I can take your attention to the radar picture, look at the pink. All right, from, we're talking I-20, from the western portion of Louisiana all the way to the eastern portion of Mississippi. It is ice that we're dealing with on that roadway, and that is so treacherous. The most important thing that we can address is how much longer. And the computer models suggest about five hours more of that icing event. All the while south of it, a tornado risk along the Gulf Coast. That storm system is going to move into the mid-Atlantic by tomorrow. So North Carolina all the way up to Maryland, you're looking at a possibility for some freezing rain, maybe mixed with some snow up around Maryland. And then it becomes all snow on Friday as it makes its way into New England. So how much snow? Well, for a place like Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, you know, modest numbers, maybe three to six inches or so. New York City, about a six to nine inch range. But I've got to leave you with this. There is light at the end of the tunnel. The cold is going to snap in the south. It's still cold in San Antonio on Saturday morning. I mean, you're starting off your day in San Antonio, 26 on Saturday. It's 63 by Monday, and nor it will be 73 by the time you get to Wednesday afternoon. That's probably something that uh, your folks in San Antonio are a little bit more accustomed to this time of year. I know, my hometown. Believe me, those warm days can't come soon enough. Lonnie Quinn, thank you. And the CDC is now warning those winter storms mean widespread vaccine delays, just as vaccinations were starting to pick up steam. In some places, the weather is canceling appointments. We get more now from CBS's Mola Lange. The storms that have paralyzed so much of the U.S. have also frozen out vaccine deliveries. Shipments are running as many as 48 hours behind schedule. In hard-hit Texas, just 9% of the doses the state was expecting this week have been shipped. Moderna unable to ship any doses to the Lone Star State. There's certain parts of the country, Texas being one of them, where uh, vaccination sites are understandably closed. The crunch now acute in the nation's most populous city, which could run out of first doses by tonight. Supply, supply, supply. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio. We're in this ridiculous situation. We have massive ability to give people vaccination, but right now we're running out again. The Biden administration now says everyone who wants a vaccine will be able to get one by the end of July. Just be patient, says Dr. Anthony Fauci. The cure of all of this is when the supply-demand gap closes. As we get into the later months, April, May, June, and July, I think those kind of discrepancies and difficulties are going to disappear. The CDC now projects as many as 70,000 more COVID deaths just in the next month. And tonight, major news from Pfizer, a study showing its vaccine is significantly less effective against the variant first discovered in South Africa. That variant is now in at least 10 states, and the concern over variants is fueling the race to vaccinate. That's especially important in underserved areas like East Los Angeles. In L.A. County, Latinos are three times more likely than whites to die of COVID. Many here are essential workers, like Susan Hernandez, a grocery store cashier. We've been on the front line for over a year now, and we have not gotten any kind of protection as far as getting vaccinated. On Tuesday, a FEMA megasite opened in her neighborhood. She was one of the first in line. Woohoo! <laughs> I'm excited. Well, some of those same disparities are playing out here in New York City. New data shows that the hardest-hit neighborhoods have the fewest number of vaccinations. And making matters worse... Some sites, like this one here in Brooklyn, have stopped taking appointments altogether after running out of the first dose of vaccine, Nora. Moalengi, thank you so much. Turning now to another pressing issue for the country, when can children get back in the classroom? Tonight, President Biden says when that happens will depend on passage of his stimulus plan. CBS's Nancy Cordes reports from the White House. 
Federal government has to chip in, make sure we get this done. President Biden pushing his relief bill argues it will help schools reopen sooner. The goal will be five days a week. That goal is more ambitious than the 100-day goal the White House laid out just last week of in-person schooling at least one day a week for children in K through 8. That's not true. It was a mistake in the communication. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. Certainly when I initially said one day a week, it was our, it was our floor. It was not our ceiling. One key will be getting teachers their shots. In-person teaching must be safe for everyone. Connecticut teachers made a public push today. The president supports prioritizing teachers. We should move them up in the hierarchies. It's a view he shares with 76 percent of Americans. But right now, the White House is leaving it up to the states. Can't you mandate that states prioritize teachers? We can provide federal guidelines, which is exactly what we've done. But uh, that's not how the process has worked. And I don't anticipate it would be that's how it would work moving forward. So far, just 21 states and D.C. have moved all their teachers to the front of the line. Amy Fortin teaches third grade in Colorado. I'm really, really excited that I like can be one more vector that stops is being with my classroom. It's worrisome that I'd, I'd be the cause of spreading it. Late this afternoon, we learned that President Biden had finally held his first phone call with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who famously had a close relationship with President Trump and a rockier one with President Obama, a dynamic that could help explain why this White House kept him waiting for nearly a month. Nora. Nancy Cordes, thank you. A year into the pandemic, healthcare workers are still clamoring for N95 masks. And tonight, federal agents have seized a warehouse full of them, all fake. Turns out millions have been sold to unwitting hospitals around the country. CBS's Jeff Begay is with more on the investigation. Today, federal agents seized one million counterfeit masks in this Western Maryland warehouse. What they've uncovered are pallets full of fake N95 masks that were headed to the front lines of the battle against COVID-19. Washington State's hospital system spent $8 million on N95 masks that turned out to be fake. They actually passed their inspections process because they looked like the real thing. They are really, really good fakes. Uh, They look, they fit, they breathe, they wear like a real 3M N95 mask. In recent weeks, approximately 11 million counterfeit N95 masks have been seized in five states. And while the packaging says that these are the coveted 3M N95 respirator masks, they aren't. Today, Department of Homeland Security officials allege that the fake masks are coming in from China. They're extremely dangerous, right? They're providing a false sense of security to our first-line responders. If you put them side by side, the only way to tell the real thing from the fakes may be the code at the bottom of the mask, which 3M says can help verify its authenticity. They're not interested in making high-quality products that protect wearers. They're interested in making as many counterfeit products as they can as quickly and as cheaply as possible. By the way, Washington State's hospital system doesn't know if it's going to get that $8 million back. Nora. And Jeff, in order to tell if your mask is fake, what do you do with the code that's on those masks? Yeah, the best thing to do is take that code, go to the 3M website. They have a fraud section there and see if the numbers match up. And that's how you'll know that it's the real thing. Jeff Begays, thank you. 
Conservative talk radio icon Rush Limbaugh died today of lung cancer. He just turned 70 years old. CBS's Jim Axelrod has a look back. I was stunned and I was in denial. On his final radio show of 2020, Rush Limbaugh seemed to be preparing his listeners for the inevitable as he reflected on his terminal lung cancer diagnosis. I mean, I'm Rush Limbaugh. This can't be right. But it was. Born in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, Limbaugh was a college dropout drawn to radio. After struggling as a disc jockey, he turned to talk, parlaying a string of local jobs into a syndicated gig in 1988 by talking conservative politics about race, feminism, and every other hot-button issue in a way his supporters loved. The feminazis in the far left. And making claims, alleging Michael J. Fox was exaggerating his Parkinson's disease, for instance, moving all that critics hated. It's purely an act. He did it while building a media empire on a brash and outspoken style. I don't defer to the experts. I <clears throat> am <Yeah>. the expert. <laughs> that made him the country's most listened to radio host and earned him a fortune estimated at more than $500 million. I mean, everybody does what they do, do for the money. If somebody tells you it's not the money, believe me, it's the money. An opioid addiction and the rehab that followed in 2003 briefly took him off the air. But everything Rush Limbaugh did engendered controversy. Maybe nothing more than getting the Presidential Medal of Freedom at the State of the Union address last year. Destroying the very culture. One of the loudest, most provocative voices on the national scene in the last three-plus decades is now silenced. Thank you. Jim Axelrod, CBS News. Tonight, Britain's Prince Philip is being treated in a London hospital. Buckingham Palace says the prince, who's 99 years old and married to Queen Elizabeth, had not been feeling well for a few days. He was admitted for observation and rest. We're told his illness is not related to the coronavirus. Actress Ashley Judge, who was seriously injured during a research project in the Congo, is sharing new images of her rescue. Judd fell while hiking and suffered multiple injuries, including shattering her right leg. She praised her rescuers, saying their actions to carry her out of the rainforest last week saved both her leg and her life. All right, these days, people on opposite ends of the political spectrum rarely seek common ground. But a remarkable effort has brought some of them together even during the pandemic. CBS's Mark Strassman continues our series, Unifying America. Three years ago, pre-pandemic, 11 Kentucky conservatives rode a bus for 15 hours, all to meet some Massachusetts liberals. We had folks within our community that said, you are crazy if you could get on that van and go up there. Letcher County, Kentucky is coal country. Trump country. Leverett, Massachusetts, politically, is cobalt blue. How suspicious were you? I was pretty darn suspicious. A lot of us wanted to understand the voters who voted for Trump. Paula Green organized Hands Across the Hills, which brought together the two rural communities to work through their differences. We try to help each other. That's what Americans do. Let's start with family stories. People were crying within the hour. Crying? Crying. Because family stories have joy, they also have a lot of shadow. They eventually talked politics. People on both sides felt insulted, misunderstood. But the gun lovers and tree huggers all survived. There was 
much more to agree upon than there was to disagree upon, and we quickly established that. They visited each other three times. It's such an important time for us to be together. And met on Zoom throughout the pandemic. Not to change minds, but to open hearts. If we can dive under the vote and get into who the person is, something very different emerges. We see things differently, but we deeply care about each other. Disagreeing agreeably. Imagine that in America. Mark Strassman, CBS News, Atlanta. Paula and Gwen told us during the pandemic, the group tries to meet virtually once a month. A reminder that we are more alike than we are different. On tomorrow's CBS Evening News, we've got a story that is literally out of this world. NASA's most ambitious Mars mission yet. How perseverance could change what we know about possible life on the red planet. And if you can't watch us live, don't forget to set your DVR so you can watch us later. That's tonight's edition of the CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in our nation's capital. See you back here tomorrow. Good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sant from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, starting May 8th, wherever you get your podcasts.